Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with my good friend, the man who makes hiking look so easy because of that long six foot three stride of his, the king of Kentucky backpacking, Mr. Jeremiah Stringer. How are you, sir? Hey, dude. I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be upright. <laughs> hey, man, you texted me and you're like, I threw up my back. This is going to be a tough record, but it looks like you're feeling a lot better. Uh, I'm better. I'm better. I mean, it, it hurts, but I'll I'll survive. It was uh, it's just one of those weird things. You know, like anybody who's ever thrown their back out, they know it just kind of it never happens when you're actually doing anything important. You know, I've, I think I've, I've thrown my back out one other time and it was in the shower. And it was like almost 20 years ago now. Maybe it was more than tw- it was more than 20 years ago. And uh, this time I was laying on my couch on a Sunday afternoon watching TV. And all of a sudden I felt like uh, like a Charlie horse. All of a sudden my back's done. So uh, who knows? It always happens when you least expect it, man. You'd be like I was clipping my nails. And then all of a sudden I threw out my back. Or I, was, I was pouring some milk into a glass. And then whoop. And I couldn't turn to my left. Are you serious? That happened to you for real? No, I was just making that up. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) okay. I thought you were saying that that actually happened. You was like, dang man, that's crazy. Bad luck. It's bad luck. I have I have thrown out my back a couple of times, but luckily I don't have any bulging discs discs or anything like that. But I'll tell you, um, I was, you know, I lost a bunch of weight, and before I'd lost the weight, I went to the doctor. And they're like, you are habitually overusing your lower back. They're like your posture. You need to sit up straight because whenever you slouch like that, what you're doing is you're putting a lot of stress on those muscles that connect to your glutes, I guess. They're like, it's around your butt region. And they, they massage those out. And, uh, they're like, you just need to lose weight, get stronger. So that's what I did. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, either way, we're here. We are not going to not do this that no. makes any sense uh, also you might want to throw those headphones on i am hearing a little bit of an echo oh that's too bad because i was really enjoying not having to wear headphones <laughs> i like the headphones man i feel like it focuses me in okay so i now have the headphones on so let me uh let me adjust a couple things here so that i can uh do what needs to be done our audio video technician there we go we are we are all headphones now look great man i didn't get to tell you what i was doing this weekend what are you doing this weekend well i'm doing nothing this weekend but last weekend (laughs) (laughs) i meant the weekend like as in yesterday we got back home Oh, okay gotcha so we went to the music festival right we talked about that right and we got home on monday and on Tuesday, or maybe it was Wednesday, um, a couple from our life group asked, they're like, oh, hey, what do y'all got going on this weekend? We was like, nothing. And they're like, well, how spontaneous are you feeling? 
And he's like, well, that's a great question. Depends on how much it costs. And uh, they're like, well, we're thinking about taking a little mini vacation. I was like, where do you want to go? And they said, well, we don't have anywhere in mind. I said, well, why don't y'all come over to the house and we could talk about it this afternoon and figure out a plan. So we basically put a six to eight hour drive radius around where we live and we could go anywhere. That would take us to Myrtle Beach. That would take us down to like Destin, Florida area, but it'd also take us all the way up to Chicago, Detroit, even like close to the UP and Michigan. So we, we had a lot of variety to choose from. Right. And they have been working on checking off every state that they travel to. So they're, yeah, their honeymoon, they drove from Kentucky all the way to the West coast. And then they tried to hit as many States as they could, like took one route up and took a different route back and hit a ton of different States. And they're like, we never have been up North. And I was like, well, I literally just came from Michigan. Like I got home Monday and this is like the next day. But uh, they're like, we would like to check it out. So we settled on staying up there. Bridget and I got to swim in, I think, our third great lake. We Which had, one? We went to Lake Erie this time. But oh, okay. Last week we were in Lake Michigan. And last year we were in Lake Huron. And I got to tell you, those northern ones, they're were chilly. Like, yeah, they were cold. But this one, Lake Erie, we went to this awesome little state park outside of monroe michigan and the water it had a sandy beach and the water was like 73 degrees i was like stay away from lake erie near cleveland (laughs) it's cold ain't it it's not cold it's gross oh is Um, it yeah it caught on fire at one point oh my goodness the water was water the water caught on fire yeah it's kind of a joke around around ohio like Cleveland's the only city that's late could catch on fire. Uh, that's saying something, man. We didn't that make is, it. Man. I try to avoid that area. Yeah. But, but unfortunately, we still had to drive through the entire state of Ohio again. That was like the fourth time in two weeks. Why do you complain about this? I'm sorry, man. It's just a boring drive. Dude, It's you just got to be, you got to stop with that, man. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are from Ohio. Well, send your hate mail to John. Don't send your hate mail to John. John loves Ohio. (laughs) But anyway, we had a good time, man. Awesome. We went to a little escape room. We went to a comedy show in Toledo, um, hit up the beach, and I took them up to Bronner's, which is that like super Christmas store. And we walked around Frankenmuth. It's a good time, man. But we arrived back home yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And then here I am with you, man. Well, I got to do something pretty cool last week, too. What'd you do? I took my four and my five-year-old, and I took him uh, camping. Oh, how was it? Did you try out your air conditioner? It works, dude. 100% that thing works. Man. No joke. So I was supposed to take that with me up to that music festival. Oh, we completely forgot about it. I totally forgot, but then I looked at the weather, and I was like, it's going to be 50 degrees at nine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, we were pushing 90 on, I guess we went on Tuesday. So we were pushing 90 outside. Um, I got the massive uh, North Face Wawana tent, which is like a six-person tent. Like you could walk inside that tent. It's it's so tall, and it's got a huge vestibule in the front where you could sit. People, four people could sit in chairs in the in that vestibule and just hang out if you wanted to. Does that um, zip up too? What's that? The vestibule does it zip up? I see where yes. it's like 
It's got an yeah. awning and then a separate part that's staked out. It closes up completely. Yeah. yeah so, and so we closed up all the windows to the tent. Closed up all the outside windows, and then I put the uh, I put the air conditioner on a cooler so that it would blow right in the the uh, the netting on on the front door of the tent, and then I ran the exhaust out the back under the front part of the awning. It took minutes, and that place was cool. Wow, it was so weird, man. Like if you can imagine, like being outside, and it's like eighty three, eighty four degrees outside, right? Uh huh. Which is miserable to sleep in. Yeah, it's tough, man. You're going to be sweaty. Right. So it's 83, 84 degrees, and we get inside the tent, and you feel it's immediately cold. Wow. Yeah, and it runs. It didn't run for eight hours, but also I didn't recharge it. So I charged it like weeks ago all Mm -hmm. the way up. So the charge probably was down a little bit, but it didn't quite run for eight hours. But when it quit, the temperatures had dropped into the 70s at that point. And my kids were asleep and happy and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing that, uh, I wish I would have done was the moment that thing stopped. I wish I would have opened up all of the windows on the tent, um, unzipped all of them because it was like soaking wet on the inside of the tent by morning oh, the because constant- there was no venting because we closed everything off for the air conditioner. So yeah. you live and you learn. It's the first time I've ever used an air conditioner in a tent. So, boy, that is luxury camping at its finest, dude. Dude, we we brought the solo stove out with us, so we had the solo stove set up, and we did uh, hot dogs and s'mores and all that stuff. And uh, I brought out my Nemo Stargazer chair, which oh, those are not cheap, but let me tell you, they're worth every penny. Is that the swinging chair? Yeah, it's like a hammock chair. Yeah, I need to get one of those, man. That looks nice. It literally reclines back. Like I'll never take that backpacking because it weighs more than probably my entire pack most of the time. I'm so, pretty sure. Whenever we were at the music festival, one of our buddies at camp, I don't think it was a Nemo, but it's basically the same design. Yeah. And I sat in his and I was like, oh, I could fall asleep. Dude, <laughs> this is nice. So comfortable. I will tell you, though, they're they're a pain to get out of if you're really tall. Why is that? They sit low. Oh, this one was pretty high. Yeah. This one is the one I have. I don't think it's very high. Um, and maybe it's just because the way you sit in it, because you sit back into it. Uh-huh. To get out, there's no real like arms on it, so you you figure it out. You figure out a way to get out of it, but uh, you're definitely sitting down into the chair, if you know what I mean. Well, what did the kids think? Any drama with the little ones? No, no. The only drama we had was when we first got there. My little girl's five, and there wasn't a whole lot of shade where we were at. But it was Dad. I'm hot. hot. Yeah, Daddy, I'm hot. Daddy, I'm hot. And then. then some other kids showed up and they just played. They ran the whole time. I sat and chilled by the fire with one of the dads and or with the dad of those kids. And we just hung out. It was cool, man. The kids had a blast. They had, my son keeps asking when we're going back out. So Oh, dude, you might have got them bit by the bug. Definitely. And I'll tell you what, man, anybody who's listening right now, if you are taking little kids out camping, Perea Outdoor Products sells like a three quarter uh sleeping pad it weighs like it it costs like 40 50 bucks but it's the perfect size for little kids i saw your photos and i was like look at those sleeping pads those yeah, are dude perfect size for your kids because like you said they're like half the size but they look pretty wide 
sound like your kids were comfortable, had a good time, s'mores and hot dogs. That's where it's at, dude. Yeah, dude. It was so good. I mean, I, if I can get my kids really enjoying camping right now, getting them to move into backpacking won't be nearly as difficult. So they love to hike. Like they already <laughs> like to hike. So I'm, I'm working on it, man. Cause I know my wife's not going, you've met Rhea. She's not going backpacking. Yeah. You, it's funny because you are like, um, you're like instilling it in the kids. Yes. It's, like, it's sneaky. Yes. It's sneaky. You're making them like it, giving them all the good things. It's not so much sneaky as it is understanding that little kids aren't just going to do what you want them to do. And you've got to get them to want to do it. So if I can, if I can make the experience for them more fun, which is what we try and do when we go camping, then I have a better chance of them wanting to do it again. So, and then when they can, they'll find out more about like, oh, we can go like and actually hike to a place where we're going to camp, you know, and make a fire and do all that stuff. That'll get exciting for them. So, so hopefully, hopefully not a spoiler, but you and I in the very near future are going to get out together. Finally. Yes. Yes. I've been waiting on it and I think I'm going to bring a hammock and maybe try out the little thing that you were doing last time with the underquilt protector. Cause I don't know how hot it'll be. Cause we'll be in the bottoms if we're going where I think we're going. Yeah. But maybe it'll be, it'll be a little cooler down there next to the Creek. But I'm thinking that the 40 degree underquilt is going to be a little bit over the top for the weather we'll have. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. I would definitely agree with you on that. So we may, if if we can get the technology to work, get a little campfire podcast episode. I think that would be the most intelligent thing we could ever do. Yeah, and we may have a special guest. Oh, yeah. We are going to have a special <laughs> guest. There's not, we might. It's, we are. We are. <laughs> the biggest thing right now is we, we just got to get this, I just got to get this back to quit being stupid. It's, right now it's Tuesday. It's the 19th of July, and we are going out on the 26th. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a week from today. Yeah, 26th. So I've got a week to get over this so that we can go. And even if I don't get over it, it's not a long hike. I may just, like, suffer through it and just get there so I can hang out with you guys. Yeah, that does mean, though, that Wednesday I'll have to edit the episode whenever we get back, which means it'll come out later, but... Uh, I'm not sure how many people are listening at 6 a.m. Eastern time whenever I drop it. Yeah, I think I think we get a total of like 40 or 50 listens the first hour. So there's 40 or 50 of you that you may have to wait a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe listen to it the next morning. Maybe listen to it the next morning instead of Wednesday morning. Yeah, I don't want to throw you out of your mm. routine, but I think the content will be worth it, man. It's always fun being in person, hanging out outdoors together. Yep. Camaraderie going. We could call it the... Um, we could call it the Outdoor Steakhouse. Outdoor Steakhouse. I like that. We could do a, we could do a food episode. Let's see where the night takes us. I know, because the guy we're going with has very is very opinionated on food. <laughs> he likes steak, too. He likes steak. Uh, nobody's being fooled by this right now, but we're still not going to say his name. <laughs> um, but hey, for today's episode, we got a really cool thing we're going to be doing today. We are going... Uh, this versus that. This is a this versus that episode. So if you like to do things this way, but somebody else likes to do things that way, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Jeremiah has written up this list of, of items 
And I think this is going to be really good. So, Jeremiah, why don't you lead us into this conversation and uh, let's get this party started. Well, right off the top, we might as well start talking about pooping. Right? We might as well. I mean, it, it's what we're known for. So, John, as you well know, I am a big proponent of the bidet. I took it with me on this little uh, mini vacation that we took over the weekend up to Michigan. Really? Yeah. Yep. Used it up there. Just keep it with the, try not to put it with my toothbrush. (laughs) Yeah. I try to keep all my hygiene stuff together, but I feel like it's not super sanitary, but it it shouldn't theoretically never get poop on it unless you're spraying really hard, I guess. Yeah. Unless you don't know what you're doing. We're going to do bidet versus wipes and we're going to weigh a little bit of the benefits versus the costs and maybe settle on what we think may be a better fit for each of us. I don't know. Let's just see what happens. But anyway, I'm bidet and I will take wipes and let's unpack this a little bit. Right. So I use the pocket bidet. It's super light. In my opinion, I would argue that's even lighter than the wipes that you're going to take unless you dry them out or you're only taking a couple. Okay. Well, I know, I know I take something called Wissy wipes with me and they're dried out capsules. Um, but even in taking those, I don't know that they're lighter than a bidet still. I don't which know which bidet is it you take? The pocket bidet? Is that the uh, longer one? No, it's only like two inches long. Okay. Got a little bit of a hook. Uh-huh. And it's got O-rings at the bottom that seal off so no water leaks out whenever you're spraying it. Yeah. But it's made of like a rubber. So it hardly weighs anything. But my main thing is it's a renewable resource because I want to know with those wipes, depending on which ones you buy, like some aren't even flushable. Right, right. Some you can't, some you have to pack out. Yeah. So depending on which ones you buy, I think that the bidet could be a no brainer. It could be. You're right. It it could be. Um, I would say maybe on a multi-day trip, um, depending on the way you dispose of the wipes, you could be releasing weight each day from your pack. Yeah, and a lot of ultralighters. Yeah, I mean, I know that you said you had to wet yours. Yeah, I think a lot of ultralighters like will literally just take them out of the package and lay them out and yeah, let, them let them dry, dry out. out. Yep, and they don't have to carry the excess weight. Don't hate on me, ultralighters, but personally, I think that's way too much work and a waste of time. So, (laughs) I mean, it's not really a lot of work. You just pull them out and leave them out overnight, basically. Yeah, that's true. But every time you want to use one, you better have that water bottle handy. Because if you walk off to poop in the woods, then all of a sudden you just have extra toilet paper. Well, Jeremiah, don't you have to have a water bottle handy to do the bidet? Yeah, that's very, very true. I'm just saying, saying, man, like, you know, they kind of work together. You got to have a water bottle either way, the way I look at it. So, yeah. That's true. I was going to say something else about the wipes, but I will say that I I really, I mean, I've used a bidet and I've used the wipes and there are some days when the bidet won't bother me as much and the wipes won't bother me as much. It really just depends time of year. Winter time, I'm really not interested in using a bidet. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I told you about using the bidet with really cold filtered water. I've used the bidet with really cold filtered water. Yeah, you get as close to frostbite 
on your bum as you're gonna get, man. It's, it's really it's, cold. It's no good, man. That area, that area of your body is warm for a reason. And but yeah, this is one thing I was gonna. I'll wrap up my rant about bidet versus wipes with this. You cannot beat the cleanliness that you're gonna get from those wipes if you want to just towel down right before you go to bed or something like that. Now, right. if you buy Dr. Bronner's, that's gonna be extra weight, but that soap is unstoppable. It's perfect for cleaning dishes. You can uh, take yourself a little bath or if you're, you know, you're around a lake or something, you could literally submerge. Mm -hmm. But the wipes, if you're wanting quick and easy cleanup, they're the way to go. Actually, I think it's um, Restless Outdoors. He has a YouTube channel. (laughs) I'm not sure how often he posts now, but last time I went backpacking with him, every night he would heat up some water. And take himself a little bath with a cloth. So really, that's That's interesting. Yeah. Now I have tried it. Uh, I don't know. You might want to take a little soap and clean out your cook pot after you, (laughs) you know, because you're, you're cooking in the same thing. You're sticking this dirty towel in that you're cleaning off, but you also, you know, you're working with warm water, but the wipes definitely, they, they got a leg up on cleaning your entire body versus the bidet because that's just, well, just, more just use the bidet as a shower, right? Yeah, Hunter and uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Use the bidet as a shower? Yeah, keep going. Mouth out. <laughs> Use it as a water pick for your teeth. Hunter and Taps, they were telling me about bringing a little um, solar shower. On yeah. Trail. They showered every day. Yep. So I was going to buy one for a music festival, but they had solar showers there that were free. Or oh, you nice. Could, yeah, you could pay to take like a, a heated shower if you wanted to. But we just drove over to um, Lake, Lake Michigan and used that Dr. Bronner's. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. But anyway, yep, that was the first on our list, the bidet versus the wipes. Yeah, and I, I would say like it really depends on – what you prefer. I, I don't know that one's actually better than the other, to be completely honest. I've used both and I get fine results from both of them. Uh, I think if you're someone who you don't want to have to use all the extra toilet paper and you do want to save a little bit of weight, I think the bidet is a good choice. But I think if you're somebody who just you're kind of freaked out by the idea of spraying something up your area, um, probably stick with the toilet paper. It's fine. People have been doing that for years anyways. So uh, let me um, add one thing. I don't just drip dry with bidet. So you kind of have to, I even take wipes with me whenever I use the bidet too. I mean, yeah. I don't have to use them to wipe with, you know, after doing my business, but um, once you poop and you spray with the bidet, you still got to take toilet paper and, and dry off. So no matter what, I'm still using something, but you're not using nearly as much. No. Cause with with the bidet, here's the thing, man. The worst is whenever you're in the woods and you just have an endless wiper. It's like no matter how many times you wipe, there's always poop still there. But with the bidet, you rinse all that off. Yeah. Yeah. Get those jets going, man. Mm-hmm. You want to hit the next one on the list? Yeah, let's talk the next one. So uh, for most of us who go backpacking, when it comes to getting clean water, uh, we typically do the filtering option. Um, 
some popular versions. You got the Sawyer Squeeze. You got the Be Free. You've got the new Quick Draw that came out last year that a lot of people are using. Um, you got the Grail filters, which I think are kind of overkill for such a small amount of water. And then you've also got there's a new Life Straw. Um, it's kind of like a very similar to the Be Free that's come out recently. That's also really good for this. Um, but there are other methods to getting clean water. You've got the filtering method like we just talked about, or you've got um, the tabs the, that you could put in. You've got the uh, ability to boil your water. Uh, there's even the UV ones. Um, Jeremiah, if you had to pick, which one would you choose as the way you would get your water clean? Well, I think the easiest is one of the filters that you squeeze through. Yeah. There's not the the tablets are the easiest because you just drop the tablets in. So you literally just fill up your water. But here's my problem. The same problem with the like the Steri pen UV one thing. Yeah. Like with the tablets, you drop them in, but you have just unfiltered water. So like with one of these filters, you can take really dirty water, like cloudy, muddy, sandy, gritty. It's gonna stop up your filter. And you'll have to like back flush it and stuff. But typically speaking, it's going to come out like as clear as this bottle, this bottle of water that I'm holding right now. Yeah, right. So with the other ones, like, I don't know, like tablets seem like a good backup method to me Mm -hmm. and just carry those with you because they're super light and you just kind of tuck them away with your water filter kit. But you don't get out like the particles. Same thing with the wand. And I guess you can run it through a bandana or a t-shirt or something like that. I've even seen the survival shows. They'll do like, they'll tear up their t-shirt and they'll take some bamboo or something and hollow it out. And then they'll put charcoal in it and put a t-shirt on both sides and, you know, putting sand in there and they're creating this, this natural filter, but you're not going to take the time to do all that. You're probably just going to fill it up with like murky water and then drop the tablet in. And I don't, I haven't used the tablets a lot, so I'm not experienced enough to have an opinion on how well they work, but I hear they can give your water a little bit of an odd taste. The I've Aquamira. used I've used the Aquamira tabs, or not Aquamira, which ones I use. Um, but I've used some of them before. The tablets. Drops. Yeah, they just it's it's it honestly it tastes kind of bleachy. Yeah, if I, I can be honest, I think it tastes a little bleachy. You've got that kind of bleach flavor in the water. Um, but I will say this, um, filters can only filter so much. Um, viruses, bacteria, protozoa, uh, those filters can't always get all that stuff. And so, um, if you're in another country, it's not a bad idea to consider filtering and then dropping those tabs in the water as well. Um, just because you don't know what's in the water at a lot of places like that. Um, the UV one, the same thing. That's, it's not a bad choice. If you're going to, if you're going to go ahead and filter the water, you can't always guarantee that it's going to actually purify or remove those viruses and things out of the water. So, um, I think here in the U S filtering water is fine. Just use a filter. You'll be good. Right. But you may, it's not a bad idea to boil the water or maybe put some tabs in it or something like that. If you're in some, like some other countries where the water is really questionable. Yeah, we took a mission trip to Guatemala, and uh, the irony of this, we were we were bringing, we 
brought all of these filters and you basically like take a five gallon bucket and this is like we're in very very poor areas right no no yeah. clean drinking water no that no running water or electricity going to these houses and we go in we take like a five gallon bucket you uh you there's like an attachment you can drill a hole and stick the attachment in and attach the saw your squeeze to it and then you basically have you fill it up with dirty water and then you let it run through the Sawyer, and then now you have clean water. Right. The irony of <laughs> on this trip, giving them clean water and then me drinking water and getting some kind of pathogen and like having traveler's diarrhea on the way home. And just like, I was absolutely terrible, you know, but it's from yeah. dirty water. I was like, dude, I wish I would have had one of those UV ones on this one. Cause like eight seconds, you just stick it in there. Eight seconds. Right. And boom, you're good to go. Like the UV light has killed everything. Yeah. Well, and if I've had Giardia, like I got it when I did the Sheltoe Trace, um, it rained. Like I've talked about this before. It just rained the first four days. And so there was a point we were filtering water and I couldn't figure out if it was rainwater or water from the dirty water bottle that was getting into my water. And a day later, I realized it was the dirty water that was getting into my clean water. And uh, it gave me Giardia, and I was a mess for like two days straight um, while that stuff worked its way out of my system. So filtering water is important. Uh, you can't mess around with this stuff. Although, we talked about this beforehand, there are people who risk it when they go hiking. A lot of people on like the, the uh, Appalachian Trail, they'll just go to creeks and springs, and they'll just get the water and drink it straight out of there. Yeah, I think sometimes that's fairly safe. Like whenever we were up in... 13,000 feet in Colorado and there's glacial melt, but I still feel like there could be an animal dead up. Yeah. The top, or I think Giardia, doesn't it come mostly from animals pooping in the water? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like you could still get sick. It, it never, never hurts my feelings to go ahead and filter it just to be safe. But yeah, that, that's my thing. I would rather just go ahead and do it and not have to worry about it than risk it and then find it. I was wrong. I wonder if the terpenes matter on some of the water because the what the terpenes terpenes give it a goog give it a goog how do you spell this uh i have no idea i've never read it i don't think i've only just used it in conversation terpenes sounded out i don't know if it's t-e-r-p-i-n-e-s or if it's you are okay i'm seeing terpenes being the aromatic oils that give cannabis its distinct smell. Is that what you're talking about right now? Uh, no, maybe I'm using <laughs> the wrong word. This was like, are you oh, talking about tannins? Tannins, tannins not terpenes. Okay. I'm going, I don't know what a terpene is, man. Okay, you're talking about tannins. Okay. Yeah. 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 We had, we went to uh, Michigan last year when we did the, uh, uh, the pictured rocks trail. There was some water that we drank that was a very solid orange color. I mean, the water was fine, but it was those tannins in the water because there was a lot of uh, plant life in the water. And so, so it colored the water. Those don't matter a whole lot. Not always. I mean, a lot of times it'll make the, it'll make the water taste different, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's making the water bad. Okay. Cause there were a lot, according to my long trail friends. See, I thought that the moose poop, was tainting the water a lot and they were like uh it's the tannins that is yeah. coloring the water and giving it this kind of brownish tint yep 
And I was like, well, all I know is this FKT guy that I met was not filtering any water. And I was like, he's drinking it brown. It's definitely running through this moose poop. And if I'm filtering it and it's still brown, it can't be that great for him to drink. But teach their own, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> You're saying you don't like moose poop water? I don't really love the moose poop water. And <laughs> whenever, uh, whenever we were out with Justin, All Things Outdoors. Yeah. Or not All Things Outdoors, that's Jeremy. Um, it's good in the woods. Right. He said that, you know, up basically where he goes, he doesn't really have to filter a whole lot in the New Hampshire area. But he brought a filter on that trip that we went on just, you know, just to be safe. Yeah. But everything looked crystal clear and clean, but you never know. Anyway, that's probably enough about filters versus other methods. Well, I know when I was in North Carolina doing the, uh, when I was in Grayson Highlands, not Grayson Highlands, I always call it Grayson Highlands, the the uh, gorge, when I was in the uh, Linville Gorge. gorge. I've got, I'm going to see, oh, here's the, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a video. Okay. Okay, this is the water that um, that I actually drank out of. I'm going to just pull this up on the screen so you could see what color it was. All right. um, this stuff was flat out gross. If you want to so, see it too, it's on the YouTube channel, Backpacking Podcast. That's it right there, dude. Wow. Can you see that? It is very unsaturated. And, and look down on the bottom of it. You just have grit. That is that is dirt and insects and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. That when I got up to my campsite, um, I didn't know there was a small spring coming out of like a pipe that was down the trail. I didn't know about it. You're just scooping it out of a dirty water source. This was a pond. Ah, oh. just up the, and it was the only water source I had. I didn't have a choice. It was like it's this or I don't get any water, and it was like 90 degrees out. So uh, I didn't really have a choice. I had to get water. And so, dude, I went over and that's what I, that right there is what I scooped out. And uh, it filtered though, man. I used, I used the, uh, that, that new platypus filter and it did great, man. Well, I would say probably back flush it now. <laughs> yeah, oh, I did. I did. You should have seen all the stuff that came out of it. I still haven't backflushed mine. I need to get on that because I'm taking it with us next week. So, yeah, definitely do it. It doesn't take much. The secret to that thing is if you know you've put it through some work, like I did, it's uh, fill up your dirty water bag with water, with clean water, mm-hmm. and shake the crap out of it. And it'll loosen up all that stuff. And then you backflush it and it all comes right out. So, I probably need to uh, let it sit overnight or something with the water attached and let it wet up because I haven't used it in like a week and a half. Oh, yeah, definitely do that. I do that with every filter before I go on a trip anyways. I've just learned, like, it doesn't hurt to just go ahead and pre-wet your filter and have it ready. And a lot of times, I'll soak it in a little bit of vinegar just to kind of clean it out, just in case there's any... Because that one closes up on both ends. It's not like the Sawyer Squeeze where it's just open. Uh So if you you close up both ends and forget, uh, that'll kill any bacteria or anything that might have gotten into the, the filter. You leave the so, vinegar in there and just let it marinate. Yeah, just for like, I usually I'll set it in there for like ten minutes. Just stick it in a cup, fill it with distilled vinegar, and just let it soak. Like if it's been a while, like if it's been like several weeks since I've been out on a trip. Do you taste any vinegarness whenever you first start filtering back through? No, because I soak it in water after I soak it in vinegar. 
Uh, you should try filtering through and see if it tastes like vinegar. I don't want to do that. That's gross. <laughs> it's for my curiosity. Well, I'll tell you what. You do that, and you can find out for yourself, and then you don't have to ask me. I don't have any vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't have any grocery stores where you live either. We use, <laughs> we have, I think we only use like rice vinegar whenever we make pad thai. Other than that, Bridget doesn't like anything vinegar. She doesn't like mustard, pickles, anything like that. Nothing with vinegar. Yeah, my wife's the complete opposite. Anything that's made with vinegar, she likes. She'll get French fries. Uh -huh. She'll put malt vinegar on her French fries. Well, I do smother mine with mustard so I can relate. But Yeah, she's all about it. She's all about it. So, okay, let's get to our next thing. Let's get to our next thing because I can sit here and talk about this stuff all day. Um, <laughs> this is one that a lot of people talk about, but I think there's room for both in backpacking, and I will explain that in a second but that is the difference between boots and trail runners that seems to be one that's been going on for years a lot of people swear that you have no need for boots and there are people that are like trail runners aren't good enough yeah i feel like trail runners have come so far because it's basically a boot tennis shoe it is yeah but you know boots it whenever you have this argument a lot of times you think of boots like combat boots and they're lacing up yeah right off your shin but like that's not if you want backpacking boots you can buy them now that are basically a trail runner with a two inch higher um like i don't even know how to describe it it's just ankle support and area yeah. that goes around your ankles yeah yeah that's it so that's i bought bridget some they're made by columbia um and they worked great she used them on the smokies actually we ordered them and she didn't try them on for a while. And then she tried them on, and we went for a day hike up at the gorge, Red River Gorge. And she was like, these are too small. And I was like, uh-oh, we are supposed to go next week to the Smokies. I was oh, like, wow. got to hurry up. I ordered her the exact same pair. But I waited too long, so they were only returnable if they were unused. And then now she has these, she has two pairs of these, the exact same shoes one is a size 10, which was too small, which normally a 10 is too big on her foot. But I guess whenever you're backpacking and hiking, you know, you got to yeah. give yourself a lot of grace for yeah. the foot swelling walking 10 miles a day. Yeah. Well, I wear 11s normally in shoes and I have to wear 11 and a halves when I backpack. So, yeah, mine, I can wear 15s, but my left foot is a little bit wider than my right foot. So some oh, 15s, wow. yeah, they'll fit on my right foot, but then it's like, it feels like my left foot is being squeezed right where the ball of my foot is. And then, yep. it, yeah, it hurts. So then I got to look for the wide, 15 wide. If they don't have those, then a 16. Sometimes those are too big, but that's the pain that I live through. That's what happens when you got, when you, when you're Superman tall. So, yeah. so here's the thing with, with boots. Um, I think boots are fantastic for some people. And let me explain why. Um, I personally do trail runners. I've got a pair of Topo Ultra Venture Pros that I love. I think they're awesome shoes. I've been using them for almost a year now, I think. Um, but I'm I love them. I think they're fantastic. But I've got a friend who recently jacked his ankle up. He's got really weak ankles. He's he sprains them easily. He's always they roll easily, and he can't do it. He, it's just the way he's made. You know, some people just have different genetics, mm -hmm. and. For him to go out hiking in trail runners like that would be risking a lot because, you know, like I do, you twist your ankles almost every trip to some degree. 
it may not be bad, but you're always your ankles are bending funny because you're walking on weird terrain a lot of times. And uh, so he ended up buying a pair of Merrill Moab boots. And uh, he and I went hiking and he said he never felt so confident hiking in his life mm-hmm. because he had no worries about his ankles. The ankle support, man. That was so there's, too. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, there are some terrains that trail runners aren't great for. Yeah, that's true. And some some terrain trail runners are like all you need. You mm-hmm. know, beating down path, um, anywhere that gets a lot of foot traffic that isn't really harsh terrain, like you a lot of times don't even need trail runners at all. Like literally just put on a pair of tennis shoes and get out. But some places you go to, I feel like are a little hairy. You know, like you remember on the Sheltoe down in the Tennessee section, there's that part that has the rope. That's yep. going down the rock and you got to yep. climb down to the bridge area. Yep. So that it, I, if I'm wearing trail runners, my footing is very confident. And personally, I've been using the, um, speed goat force and let's see who makes those. It's Hoka. Hoka. Yeah. I just bought a second yep. pair. This it used to be Hoka One One, but now it's just Hoka. Well, Hoka One One, they, uh, they make great shoes. And yeah. the sole on them are like five inches thick, which is a little bit of hyperbole, but not a whole not a whole lot. I mean, they're extra, extra thick. they they're cushiony. They're the speed goats specifically are very cushiony. Yeah, but the ankle support <laughs> is not existent. You know, it's not like Bridget's. They're literally like trail runners with ankle support, and right. they work perfect for her. And whenever she's out there, sometimes you can get hurt from lack of confidence because oh, you. Yeah. You're not sure of your footing. You don't know where to step. You don't know how, like how it should feel gripping. You know, you're just not confident. And then that gets in the way of making confident steps, of course. So they work really, really good for her, but they're not the stereotypical, like, let me hop on my motorcycle and ride boots. Right. Combat or anything like that. So I think either one could work for any person um, unless you really, really need in that ankle support, like you were talking about with your friend, because they're almost the same shoe now. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is it, different shoes also have different features. Like I won't buy a trail runner unless it has a rock plate because what's the, plate? basically it's a, it's a, it's a thick piece of material that's inside the sole that protects you against heavily rocky areas. Like, I don't know if you have you backpacked in Pennsylvania? No. Pennsylvania is just all rocks. I mean, it's just like big rocks, little rocks, just rocks everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went down in November last year, to Pen- or up, I guess, technically, to Pennsylvania was hiking. It wasn't a long hike or anything, but it was very uneven and a ton of rocks. And in my old Altra Lone Peaks that I had, I would have felt every one of those rocks pushing up through the sole mm-hmm. of the shoes. But with the Ultra Ventures, you don't feel that. Um, it literally just protects your feet as you as you hike through that stuff and uh the early sale venture pros i should say um but having a rock plate is huge for some people like me i don't want to feel every bump on the ground when i hike some people get they love that but that's not my thing i would rather i would rather just not have to deal with anything pushing on my feet when i'm hiking yeah i feel you but like you said some people really love it and like they do well um I mentioned Hunter earlier, Hunter Strip. That's why he loves. That's why he loves his sandals so much. 
Yeah, he loves those sandals. His feet, he worked his feet up and made them strong. He's done, I don't know, 1,500 miles on the AT last year in those sandals. Like, uh, that's a totally different ball game. But the conditions play a big role, too. Like, big whenever I, when I was doing that in April, that in the, the Whites in New Hampshire, was it the Whites? I don't know. what it, Whatever... I think technically it's part of the whites. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but all I know is there was snow and you needed crampons and stuff. Like if I had my trail runners, I couldn't have put on those. Um, what are they called? The they're like snow guards. Mm-hmm. You you strap them around your shins and they go all the way up to your knee and they attach. Are you talking about gaiters? Yeah, gators like yeah. snow gators. That wouldn't have really worked if I was wearing sandals or trail runners because snow still would have gotten into the trail runners that I use. So that's why I, I use like insulated, heavily insulated Columbia boots that they went literally all the way up to my calf. And yeah. uh, it's situational sometimes. Well, I was going to say I had a pair of, of Solomon GTX boots that I wore on, on Kilimanjaro. And I had um, outdoor research gaiters that I wore on top of those. And, man, those things were awesome. I mean, I didn't have any snow getting to my my clothing or my pants or anything. Everything was really well protected. And, uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think boots and trail runners have their place. I think in the wintertime, I would much rather have a good solid pair of boots, even though I have – I have done something the last couple of years that's worked really well. I wear trail runners and waterproof socks. Mm. with another pair of socks underneath those mm. and uh that's gonna that's done really well a lot of people thought your feet would get all pruny and stuff but mine actually did not from doing that um just because of the socks i was using they they breathe but they don't let in water so uh, i was able to have dry feet and fairly warm feet but i will say boots will keep your feet warmer than trail runners <laughs> so yeah i didn't even use my seal skin socks on that winter trip because the boots were so insulated my feet would get hot unless I was just sitting around. My right. Feet would get hot while I was walking. And were your boots waterproof too? Yeah. They were waterproof as well. There's no sense for waterproof socks if you're using waterproof boots. Yeah, that's true. I was gonna say one more thing about the the boots, but I can't remember. So oh well. It was probably a lie. It's all good, brother. It's never a lie with you. You don't lie, man. <laughs> never i've never lied before in my entire you, life you're the most honest human being i know on this planet hey preach brother i'm just saying i'm just saying if you want an honest feedback you go to jeremiah stringer that's it so go check out jeremiah stringer hikes on youtube and get some honest oh, feedback i remember what i was gonna say <laughs> What's have, you, that? have you seen the price of like those alpine boots oh yeah oh it's astronomical yeah it's over a thousand yeah I but you, but if you live in an area where you're going to be doing that all the time, that makes sense. Yeah, and they probably last a long time. Yeah, but if you're someone like me who lives in Kentucky, who the deep snow here is like two inches. <laughs> yeah, trail runners are fine. Trail runners can be just fine. And if you do the occasional trip, having a pair of like two or $300 boots, while still expensive, are not like $1,000, you'll be fine. What about hitting Mount Rainier? Is that trail running? Or is that boot wet? Yeah, that's next fall. I don't know, man. I don't know. I've got to talk to Bryce about that to find out what I need to have. I'm going to have him give me a gear list to give all the guys so we can uh, enjoy that trip. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you may you may be buying some boots for that one. I may be. Hey, we're talking about weather. So let's talk about something that protects you from the weather. 
All right. What you Let's got? talk about raincoats versus what has become a very popular option among many backpackers now, and that's an umbrella. Dude, I was so jealous. The last trip I went on with Miyagi, it was up in South Dakota, and we were backpacking, and it was raining. And I was like, ah, he, I didn't bring my umbrella mostly because I had to fly there. He was driving, but since I had to fly, like my suitcase was already not closable and the cutoff weight was like 50 pounds, 40 pounds, you know? So it's always embarrassing whenever you get into the check bag line and then you weigh your bag and then you have to like open it up in front of everybody and take stuff out and put it in your carry on. So I didn't want that to happen and I was right on the money. So I left my umbrella at home. Oh man. I had to put on my rain jacket and it was like 70, I don't know, 70 degrees. So you were soaked anyways from sweat. Well, that's the thing. If it's 70 degrees and rainy, the humidity is basically 100%. Mm-hmm. You're walking and you have a jacket on. Now, luckily, <laughs> my jacket, it's got pit zips. Right. That right. helps a little bit. Pit zips help a little bit. And sometimes if it's not raining real hard, you can leave it completely like unzipped and just strap your or close your sternum strap and your hip belt. But he had that umbrella and the breeze was just flowing right through his armpits. Oh, man, Everything yeah. was fantastic. He had his short shorts on. I could tell that he was. <laughs> it was Miyagi. He always has his short shorts on. He had a short, short, four inch inseam shorts. <laughs> and, well, he's only got like a, a 24 inch inseam anyway. So, yeah, that's true. It went down to his knees almost, didn't it? No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but he had a short too. I think I'm, I think we're the same height. So I would have given anything to have had an umbrella because not only did it keep him nice and cool, but it also was protecting his backpack. Like I didn't bring a backpack cover. So I, luckily I had all my stuff inside of one of those uh, like waterproof bags, the Nylaflume bag yep. or Nylaflume, whatever they are. So my stuff was fine. But if I had the umbrella, it would have helped also protect my gear from getting wet. Well, and if you're someone who carries a camera with you on your chest, that umbrella keeps the water off your camera. So you don't have to hide your camera away and put it away. And then just keep on hiking. The sun, too. A lot of people use them for the sun, not just the rain. Yeah. I I was going to say, My Life Outdoors, Steve Smith, Uh he just did a video this week on things that will help you enjoy summer backpacking more. Um, I don't know if that was the title or whatever, but it was was basically that idea. And one of the things he talked about was taking an umbrella instead of a raincoat in the summertime because you're going to get wet either way because it's either going to be rain or it's going to be sweat. And you have to decide which one you're okay with. So um, I know when I did the first day on the Sheltoe Trace on the south end, um, it rained and I never put on my raincoat because it was like 80 degrees out. And I was like, I'm going to be soaked regardless. And it was great for when I was hiking. But then that night when I had to uh, put my shirt out to dry out, it never got dry because it rained all night too. So the next day I spent hiking in a soaking wet shirt. That's tough when it never dries. It it just didn't dry. And I, it wouldn't have dried with sweat either. You know what I mean? Like, there was just nothing that was going to dry that shirt out. But well, if I'd have had an umbrella, speaking of umbrellas, you know who makes a great umbrella? Oh, I have. 
I have my umbrella right here. You you know who makes a great umbrella? That would be our sponsor for this episode, and that is Gossamer Gear. Take less, do more. Jeremiah, show us this umbrella of yours that you have, man. Let's see this umbrella. Well, if you're watching the video, you can see I'm about to uh, have really bad luck for seven years. Or is that because <laughs> <laughs> I am in my little studio, recording studio, but I have my umbrella out right here with me. It's got the logo, Gossamer Gear logo. That's a it's a great umbrella. I have the same one. I have the same one. I've used it multiple times, and it it does a great job. I mean, it just does a great job keeping you dry. And like you were saying. It's a silver umbrella, which means it reflects light away from it. Uh-huh. So it's fantastic in the sun just to get some shade when it's getting really hot out. It they put a foam grip on it and a foam grip or a, a foam piece at the top to help protect it. But like no joke, this is the lightest, <laughs> literally the lightest umbrella that I've ever used. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It, and it's easy to use. Yeah, you literally just open it up. It doesn't extend. But what some people may think that's a problem. It doesn't extend. But the way that I use it is you don't have to do it this way. Like I bought the accessories. Yeah. But I clip it onto my um, my backpack here on the shoulder strap. Yep. And it's got like these two little clips that you stick it in twist. And then it, it literally just hovers above you. And like it's hands free. So a lot of people just stick it in the sternum strap. Yeah, so if you don't want to buy the extra accessories, that's fine. You know, you do you. Miyagi, that's what he done was he, you just stick it in your sternum strap and then it just hovers behind you and it's perfect, man. He's, I was going to say, Gossamer Gear makes a lot of good gear. I mean, they really do. I'm actually a big fan of the two, which is the tent that they make. Um, It's a two person tent, weighs under two pounds. It's a trekking pole tent. It's easy to put up and deploy. I've used it on multiple trips uh, in different states and different kinds of weather. I have yet to use it in the wintertime yet. I don't know if I'm going to because I kind of like to be in my hammock in the wintertime. I stay warmer in that. But I do know in the summer, in the spring, in the fall, um, that tent is phenomenal. It is well made. If you could think uh, the Z-Pax duplex, but not made out of Dyneema. That's what this tent is. And they... I also, I've shown a lot of love to the umbrella, but the backpack that I use it with is also Gossamer gear. And I listed out every backpack I have, and mm-hmm. this was the biggest and lightest combination. It's called the Mariposa 60 liter. Yeah. And it weighs two pounds, five ounces, full frame, 60 liters, which actually I have an Osprey Atmos 65 liter. Uh, and that thing weighs like four four pounds six ounces without any without the brain on it, and it's right. Weird. But dude, I could swear that this thing holds more. And I don't know if it's because Osprey like they are adding liters to the capacity because of the brain, right? Or if the body of this one is bigger or what. But anyway, yeah. If you want to check out Gossamer Gear, I would highly encourage you. Not only the tent and the umbrella but also like if you're needing a backpack check out the mariposa 60 liter or you can get a different size backpack on their website if you want to but i put all the accessories on mine and like switch them out like cell phone holder um snack snack holder water bottle holder uh the umbrella clip like whatever kind of trip i'm wanting to take 
however much weight you're wanting to take. But anyway, Gossamer Gear, man, legit, GossamerGear.com. Legit gear, and they make all kinds of gear. They also have the world's lightest carbon trekking poles, too. So a lot of cool stuff that Gossamer Gear makes. So thank you for being our sponsor for this episode. Jeremiah, so we've talked about raincoats and umbrellas. We've talked about boots and trail runners. We've talked about filtering versus all kinds of different methods of getting your water clean. And we've talked about the bidet versus the wipes. And now let's get to controversy. Are you ready? (laughs) I do want to add one thing about my raincoat. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Now I have a Patagonia rain jacket. And John, I think it's called the torrent shell. Yep. I had the same one. John claims he's wet out. Now, it hasn't wet out on me, but I haven't had any torrential downpours in it yet. It's only been light rain, steady rain. So I can't confirm on that. But if you're wanting to go the raincoat uh, rain route, get something with pit zips. But I also wanted to add one extra thing. It is an extra layer. So, like, you could put that as an outer shell. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take the umbrella, there's nothing wrong with also taking a raincoat, too. Because if you get a little cold, then it's like an extra jacket. But that was it. Well, I was going to add to that. I don't take a puffy jacket with me three season now. Oh, what do you take? I've got my alpaca hoodie that I got from uh, Appalachian Gear Company, which I'll just wear that. And then if it starts to get a little chilly, I'll put my raincoat over that and I'm good. Mm. And I don't even bring I don't even bring a puffy until it gets cold, like actual cold, like in the 30s cold. Um. Because I can stay warm with a base layer, the alpaca hoodie, and a raincoat over it, just as warm as I would wearing the uh, the the puffy jacket. And I would bring the other two things with me, even if I didn't have the puffy jacket. So that's a very good point. The for light me, it just works out better. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with the the controversy. Here we go. Are we ready for controversy, Jeremiah? We are. So this one could trigger some people. And if you know me, I'm all about triggering some people because I think it's funny. Um, but you're you're at camp. You're sitting around the fire. You get done eating that mountain house meal. And you see someone throw the mountain house paper in the fire. Should you burn it or should you pack it out? Jeremiah, give me your opinion. Woo, buddy. Let's see. Woo, buddy. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, think that, I think most people are going to say if it's paper, it's burnable. Here's my here's my thing about burning like the mountain houses or like if you have something that's hard to burn. A lot of times those, I don't know what they're made of, but if it's going to be there in the morning whenever your fire is all burned out, Right. You need to pick it back up. Like I've never said anything to anybody about burning trash, but also you have to keep in mind, like culturally speaking, my neighbor's literally burning trash right now. Like I live, I live in a pretty nice subdivision, but he has a burn pit and his garbage, like they don't, I guess they throw away their tin cans and stuff, but Mm -hmm. Like they burn all their garbage. And my grandparents, I grew up at my grandparents' house. We had a burn barrel. Like the trash, there literally was no trash truck that ran in the county. And yep. we're talking about the eastern Kentucky hills of Appalachia. Like Dude, used to. I, grew, 
I grew up in Southern Ohio and we did the same thing. We, we had a trash barrel. Yep. You just burned it. Mm-hmm. And if it's like a old washer and dryer or something, you just push it off the side of the bluff and then it yeah. disappears. Now <laughs> <laughs> it disappears. Poof. It's gone. That's not no. true. <laughs> but that's what, that's what everybody thought. Right. I know. I know. Times are totally different now. Um, I will say like, uh, I don't know about the aluminum cans. Like a lot of times you'll be, well, I guess I shouldn't say a lot of times I've, I've seen where you have a really hot campfire and maybe there's people sitting around drinking beer or Coca-Cola or something. They throw their cans in there and they literally just melt away. Now I don't know if that melts down and then like the aluminum is evaporating or if it like once the fire goes out the particles are still in there i have no idea i don't know if you're sending it to the atmosphere or what but i think i've said on here before it's very easy to i feel like be overwhelmed with how much you're doing environmentally Mm -hmm. and then you're not seeing the big picture of like how much pollution is being put out there by I mean, it's like 99% to your 1% of like industrial pollution versus your pollution. I'm not saying that you should uh, just like push your washer off of the bluff and just make it disappear. Yeah, don't do that. But I think that a lot of people get a little bit up too uptight about like, for example, Jason's telling me a story about him doing section hiking on the Appalachian Trail. And then, um, you know, there was a guy there. And he said something to somebody because they were throwing like a Ziploc bag or something in the trash and burning it. But then he threw a cigarette butt in the, <laughs> the fire. And I was like, bro, <laughs> that, like that's hypocritical. Like you can't have it both ways, but maybe you just thought, oh, this is paper so I can burn it up or it's a cigarette. I've literally burned it and like inhaled it into my lungs. So I don't know. What's your opinion? I have a personal rule for myself. I don't make rules for other people. I I am not a gatekeeper for the backcountry, um, but for me, if it's made of if it's not let, let's let's let me make sure I say this the right way. If it's made of metal, plastic, or styrofoam, I don't put it in the fire. Those three things put toxins into the air, and it's not like I'm not necessarily as worried about like overall pollution, but I also don't want to make the people around the fire sick. You know. Um, mm-hmm. because those things are toxins and I don't want to, I, I don't want to put something that's harmful in a fire. Now, if somebody else wants to do it. That's on them. But for me, I don't. So, um, I don't put anything that's made of plastic. I don't put anything made out of metal or anything, um, made out of any kind of foam, like styrofoam or anything like that in fires because they all throw toxins into the air. Boy, now, if it's foam, paper, I don't have a problem with the foam burns black down it. Oh, it's nasty. Oh, it'll burn. Yeah, it's nasty. Now, if it's paper, I'm totally fine with that. If somebody was to come back with their toilet paper and throw in, the, in there, I would have no problem with that. Yeah, nothing I like cooking over more than toilet paper filled fire. Uh, you know what, man? That, that's just um, it's tannins. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's a question. Here's a question for you because I get, I get flack from some people for this. Um, okay. Coffee grounds. I I have kind of a personal rule where typically um if if I do coffee I will put the coffee grounds in the fire pit mm. and just let them burn up in the fire pit. 
if there's no fire pit, most of the time I'll just pretty much all the time I will just pack it out, you know, put it in a Ziploc bag and take it with me. But if I can burn those out and just get rid of them, that's what I'll do. Some people think that that is absolutely wrong. What's your opinion on that? I never really thought about it, but I think I never do see a problem burning food. And I feel like coffee grounds aren't really food, but they're almost the same category. Right. Coffee's a weird one, though. Like, you basically just use coffee beans to stain water. (laughs) Isn't that funny? funny? Yeah, you're drinking, it's tannins. It's the tannins, man. Coffee tannins. That's what you're dealing with. So I think that I don't I don't really see a problem with it. I know that we're having this conversation and there's so many different angles that we're not even considering. Yeah, there are. And we're just making all this up like off the top of the head. <laughs> we have no clue what we're talking about ever. I'm just saying, like, we don't know the next thing that we're gonna say. So we can have our opinions and everything, but this is all off the cusp and we're just hanging out and talking. So our, I don't know about you, but my opinion is totally swingable on all these things because I'm so uninformed. Mm-hmm. So I just do what I do. But the coffee grounds, I don't think I really see a problem with it. In fact, I like, I don't think that, who was it that we talked to? Was it uh, Papa Bear? Papa Bear Hikes? He, I don't know if it was a podcast with all three of us or what, but I was talking about orange pills and throwing them on the ground. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, and so he was bringing up the point that, like, it's not good to throw stuff, food on the ground that's not native to an area because it messes with the wildlife. Yeah. So the coffee grounds may be the same thing, but I thought like coffee grounds were kind of a fertilizer that you could just pour on the ground. Yeah. Coffee, coffee is used in gardens and stuff like coffee grounds are to is used as a fertilizer, Uh, but it's not native to the ground. And there are a lot of people that believe and uh, believe what you will. Anybody who's listening and whatever you believe, I'm not mad at you for it or I'm not going to take one side or the other, but there are people that, genuinely believe that when you put coffee grounds on the ground you're putting a non-native thing into that ecosystem and it also can draw animals because coffee is very fragrant or fragrant not fragrant because fragrant is not a word it's very fragrant you know and so it will draw animals to it and uh so you may draw animals to an area or a campsite where really they don't normally come and it could be could be an issue yeah, there's give and take with everything, right? Yeah. Like, if if I pack out those plastics, say a mountain house meal, for example, right, that's going to be buried somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, would you rather it be buried as a at a designated location, or would you rather burn it and send it into the atmosphere? If you're talking scientifically, I don't know which is more destructive to the environment. All I know is. Everything we do has a cost. Mm-hmm. Like the electricity we're using right now could be coming from coal. Now, where I live, I think mine's hydroelectric because we have a dam that produces a ton of energy on the lake that I live on. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that it's hydroelectric. But, but not here in Nicholasville. I could it's, be wrong. In Nicholasville, it's definitely going to be either coal or, or some 
you know, natural resource. Yeah. So everything has a cost, right? Right. Camera, camera you were filming on. There's there's stuff in there that was mine with child labor. Your iPhone that you're using, your Android. There's the battery in your car or your electric car. Some of the some of the things were mine with just unimaginable, inhumane things. So everything that you do has a cost. Now, what I will say, I did read an article not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago, about uh, landfills versus recycling. And they're starting to find, there's starting to be some research. Now, this is one article, okay? One article. So don't, please don't email me with your anger and, and angst towards what I'm about to say. But they're finding out that uh, the landfills are doing less damage to the environment because the recycling, the places where they recycle, are actually putting things into the air through the recycling process mm-hmm. and actually doing more to pollute the air by recycling than just doing landfills. So uh, take that for what it is. Like I, I just read the article. Like I'm not defending anything. That's just one article that I read that says there's starting to be research that is is finding their findings are that in some cases recycling is actually damaging to the atmosphere. Well, I would believe it. Um, I used to work. Bridge and I you used were, to work. I, there was a time Jeremiah used to work. <laughs> yeah. I'll be going back to work here in a couple of weeks. School yep. will be back in session. But on summer breaks, I used to work like side hustle job to make extra money. We we're trying to pay off all this debt. So my side hustle, I was working with um, a teacher friend of mine's husband. And he had like this pressure washing business, but he got this contract for the recycling company in our city. And we were, our job was to like take a week. They were going to shut down the facility and we're going to clean it. And this thing is freaking huge, dude. It's like a warehouse. It's like, I don't know, 50 feet tall. Like we had to get scissor lists and to clean and spray it all out. It was that recycling facility was absolutely disgusting. And we use chemicals to clean it, you know, like Mm -hmm. nothing's free. Anything you do, anything you do has a cost. And us cleaning that out and and spraying all that water out and it's running out into the drains, which I'm sure goes to the lake. You know, all the stuff that they are doing there, all that drainage is just draining out. And then we're using that water after we clean it at the, you know, the water conservancy place or whatever. Yeah. The plant. So I don't know. This is a, a really nuanced, hard discussion because there's so many factors and I'm not an expert on any of it, but well, and there there are two sides to everything, and both sides tend to be passionate. So I'm I'm I tend to be a moderate on a lot of things. Like I tend to like float around the middle on a lot of things. And but I know there are people that right now are are screaming at the stereo in their car saying, no, you got to do this. But then there's someone in a car in another state somewhere else yelling the exact opposite into their stereo, you know, because they're there. It's a very important thing to people, you know, this world that we live in, we want to take care of it. And so you've got the people who are hardcore about pollution and, the environment. And then you've got other people that are leave me alone. And let me burn my freaking plastic. You know, I mean, you've got two sides here and I'm not going to demonize one over the other, but I will say um, we do need to be responsible. Yeah. Do what you can. What we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go out of your way to 
you know i mean we're we're out there we're leaving no trace as much as we can absolutely so that's our job do what you can is all, all i would say in conclusion in conclusion all i would say is do what you can be responsible for yourself uh definitely i don't see a problem with the paper i definitely get what you're saying on the burning the food attracting mm-hmm. animals like you're putting those scents out in the air that may not be so great on attracting the the animals in you know like i got leftover steak i throw it in the fire let it burn up i could pack that out i could burn it or you could be a man and eat it <laughs> yeah then i'm gonna put that out <laughs> I'm gonna that out leave it somewhere you're always gonna leave some trace like yeah. no matter what you do we just do our best to, yep. to leave no trace yep absolutely well man that was fun just talking about these different things this versus that it's always fun to talk about those things um if you're listening right now and you've got some things that we missed some this versus that items shoot leave a comment leave us a voicemail on our uh on our on our backpackingpodcast.com uh you can go in there and leave us a little voicemail and uh give us some ideas of other things some this versus that topics that maybe we can do in a future episode uh we always love getting input from you guys we love the comments on youtube they are hilarious sometimes, um, and uh, we just look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, Jeremiah, this has been a blast. Um, I've actually forgotten that my back hurts because we've been having such a good time. Oh, I'm good. I need to sit up straight. So you are you are back therapy for me today. Thank you for that. I do what I can, man. I appreciate it, man. Well, for myself and Jeremiah, thank you for tuning in to the Backpacking Podcast, and we will catch you on the next one. Yeah, I